0: so this episode of influence was really great and I'm probably going to say that about every single episode I'm incredibly biased but here we are so our guest this week was Jessica and she had a fantastic insight first of all what it's like to be an actress what it's also like to be a queer black actress and growing up and not having really anyone to look up to or having anyone that really inspired her to do what she did and she was paving the way herself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I met Jessica in early 2020 and she instantly resonated with me. I just love her energy, her personality, her outlook on life, everything that she has to say. Um, It really is an honor that she's on this episode. Mm -hmm. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. It's a really nice day in Los Angeles and I am not
0: complaining. (laughs) I'm not complaining either. It's like 27 degrees in Toronto today and it feels a little bit like the weather is lying to us, but I'm very okay with it. Guys, I am so
1: excited about our guest. Oh, OK. So <laughs> Jasika is a designer and an actress. Um, she's played characters such as Agent Astrid in Fringe, Carly Lever in The Good Doctor, a personal favorite of mine. I actually have stopped watching the show after she left. I think that's a different conversation for another time, maybe, but <laughs> um, and today, you can actually find her playing Lauren in the revival of Punky Brewster. And if you follow her Instagram, which I highly recommend everyone does, you can find her designing and making all of her own clothes, which is incredibly fascinating to me. Um, so welcome, Jessica. Thank you for having me, Joss. <laughs> so, so so happy to have
2: you. Um, how how's your day going? I'm not gonna complain either. We actually have our first like stayover guest that we've had since the pandemic began. I know, it's wild. Everybody's fully vaxxed. Um, But they're coming to stay with us for the weekend. So I feel like my whole day has just been like emotionally preparing for this transition, like mentally preparing, and then also cleaning the house because it's been a year since anybody has stepped foot in this house, except for myself and my partner. So that's kind of where my mind is right now.
1: That's so exciting. Do you have anxiety or are you like, nope, I'm ready, let's do this? It is such a weird mix of both of those things. I
2: am, I feel like I'm a generally anxious person and I'm anxious with transitions. But I have also been working really hard for the past like two months, I would say, to like try and transition back into mostly socializing with people because I don't like Zoom hangout brunches and parties. Like I pretty much am just texting my friends. I haven't really seen them. So in person or even just seeing their faces is. So so wild and so unfamiliar to me. So I've been planning like one social hangout date a week for the past maybe month. And we'll just like have coffee outside and it's all it's all with fully vaxxed people and we do something that feels safe and comfortable for both of us. So I'm just trying to like step into it very slowly and get myself acclimated because I am already an introvert and it is it is easy for me to stay in this house for the next five
0: years. Do, do you think one thing you, you I just heard you say twice was like we're all fully vaxxed. I do you think we're gonna get to a point where we don't say that anymore? <laughs> like, you know, it's like it's like I it's know. now it's like don't worry, we were social distanced and now but now it's like don't worry, we're all fully vaxxed. Yes. Like Are we going to get to a point where we don't say those words? Is my question.
2: (laughs) My God. I really hope so. And I get so nervous because, you know, a lot of stuff in the news right now is talking about the variants and how if everybody doesn't get vaxxed, then we won't be able to have like herd immunity and we'll still all be kind of at the mercy of this disease. So I really hope that there is a time when we don't have to say, fully vaxxed Hangout, it's totally fine. Don't worry about us, it's going to be okay. I just don't know, girl.
1: Oh my God. No, I'm with you. I had my very first social hangout with people who were all fully vaxxed and we were were outside. And at least in Los Angeles, the CDC said we don't have to be wearing masks. Um, And it felt very strange to take off my mask and just see people's faces it yeah. I, if it feels like my mask is now my security blanket in a way yes
2: yes
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, I totally, I totally get it. And also uh, one of my
2: social hangouts recently was with my friends who have a baby. And I've seen the baby, but only with a mask on. So it's the first time that this little child got to see me without a mask on. And he was crazy about me. (laughs) And I think it's just because he's not used to seeing a lot of people without a mask on. And he just kept running up to me and hugging me. I wanted to think it was because I'm a very cool auntie, but I think it's just, he
1: was like, you. Have a mask on. Let me see your face. Let me see your smile. It was it was pretty great. Oh my god, that's amazing. Um, well, okay, so I do I do want to get into this and I do want to start talking about you because you are such an interesting, fascinating person. Um, so a little bit of background on yourself. So you grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm -hmm. Then you moved to New York. You had a little bit of career. You did some off-Broadway shows. And then you moved to Los Angeles. And now you're working in film and television, all while you had an extensive career in the arts and design field, Um, (laughs) which is incredibly impressive. I was actually wondering, through this entire journey, has there been someone, either on a personal or a professional level, that has influenced you? That is a great question. And
2: I don't know if I have a very satisfying answer for it. And I think it's because I grew up being so hungry to have any kind of representation and just not getting it. So I'm a child of the 80s. And, um, you know, obviously we can look at TV today versus TV in the 80s and see that we have come a really long way. And in a lot of ways, I feel like the roles that I take and the things that I do professionally are are all just trying to feed like my little girl self and say, "Look, you can do this. You can be this. Here you are. Here's here's you. Here's like a queer little brown girl, and and she's you. And this is kind of like um, a, a way to to heal. I think the things that I was missing out on when I was a kid, and so." to be honest, I can't really pinpoint to one person. And I don't mean to be like, I'm the first person that's ever done that. You know, that's certainly not what I'm saying. I think it's more like the things that I hold so uh, true and dear to me, I haven't always seen emulated in my own experiences. So obviously I'm an actor, you know, I got my start in musical theater. I've always been a theater kid. I clearly am in television and film now, which, you know, is great because it certainly pays for money and (laughs) a allows you to have um, a more, I would say, maybe stable, more comfortable lifestyle than doing theater gigs Mm -hmm. um, all the time. But I miss the the collaborative process of theater more than anything because it is so different than being in a television or a film production. And so because I learned that very on very early on in my career that even though it's it's all acting they're related but they are not in the same family they're they're in different households you know stage acting and television and film acting and so that's why it became so important to really make sure that I dedicated as much of my time as felt good into my other creative endeavors. I've been an illustrator for a long time. I've always loved to write. Uh, obviously, I love to sew. I really just like to learn how to do new things. I like to keep my hands busy. And this is one really key part of, of this whole, you know, I don't know, experience for me is that I use my artistic endeavors outside of the work that I do to balance out the actual work that i get paid for. When you are an actor in television and film, you learn very quickly that you have one role, like literally and figuratively, you have one role to play and your voice is very rarely that important. Like you don't get to make a lot of decisions unless you're creating your own, you know, stuff and and making your own indie films or something, that's really great. But if you're like doing network television or studio films, your job is to show up and say your lines, look cute, say your lines. (laughs) That's pretty much it. You don't get to have an opinion or a voice. And so being able to have an opinion and a voice in the other artistic things that I love to do, it became crucial in order for me to keep doing television and film and, and acting in those ways, because it is severely lacking in any kind of like artistic collaborative process with people obviously that became like a very big deal to me but in addition to that I realized how important it is to be able to have things that you do that feed yourself creatively that aren't necessarily going to be commodified. Like mm. so many people, you know, reach out to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I would buy that, that, that thing that you made. It's so cute. Why don't, when are you starting your own line? When are you going to do this? You can make so much money. And it's like, how, hello, 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 hello. First of all, Being like an independent fashion label is not how you make so much money. I cannot tell you how much people do not want to pay. for actually sustainable, thoughtfully made, slow fashion. They want fast fashion. They want to go to Zara and they want to get 15 items for less than $200. And when you're making your own clothes, you realize what a big gap there is between the item that you get and the work that you put into it. I know how long it takes to make a pair of jeans. The fact that you can go into like a Walmart and buy them for $19 makes me want to weep because that (laughs) means that the person who made them did not get paid. Enough money for the work that they put into it, and that's the thing, right? So much of our fashion is created overseas, and it is usually communities of color who are not getting paid a living wage, who are not uh, working in a sustainable environment. Those are the people who are bringing these garments to, you know, your local H and M or Forever Twenty One. That's part one of being an artist in that way. But the other thing is, I don't think that culturally we appreciate people being good or having a skill at something and not trying to make money off of it like we see something good and we go oh you got to do this you should do this with it and we try and make it bigger and better but the truth is it can already be big and good in the way that it fulfills the person who's making it so that kind of like self-care I think of making and knitting and all the things that I do as a really therapeutic uh, way of taking care of myself it allows me to mm-hmm. it allows you to kind of focus on something that is is a manageable task for you. You know, when, if you're ever feeling overwhelmed or anxious or stressed out and you kind of don't know where to start, like your mind is racing and you have to do this and you have to do this, and you're kind of figuring out like, where do you even get started? making with my hands allows me to kind of shut all of that noise out and just do something that I am actually capable of doing. I am capable of taking this needle and this hand and making a loop with this yarn and doing it over and over and over again. And that repetitive motion is a really therapeutic thing for a brain. And it doesn't mean that I don't think about my anxious thoughts or I don't feel stressed out about other things that are happening. I think it kind of quiets my brain so that I can focus on, all right, What am I going to do now? How am I going to figure out this thing that I'm working on or that I'm stressed out about? Um, It's almost like... It's meditative, it's just, it's meditative in a way that mm-hmm. we don't often think of meditation. We usually think of meditation as, you know, completely silent and nothing around you and, you know, laser focus in your head. But really meditation is anything that can kind of calm your breathing down, calm your thoughts down, um, allow you to find some peace in your body and and in your brain and in your heart. And that's what making does for me. And so all of that said, <laughs> I feel like the the way that, I don't know, Actors are usually looked upon as they do this work, you know, in television or film or stage, whatever it is. And if there's other things that they're good at, they want to put their name all over it and make sure that they got like other stuff coming in. And I, I can't hate on that hustle. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. But I also don't think there's anything wrong with saying, I don't want to do all that stuff. I don't want to be working 24-7 all the time. I don't necessarily need my name to be plastered everywhere. I just want to knit the sweater and watch Netflix. Like, just
1: want <laughs> a regular life, too. <laughs> I think that's so interesting because... Like you said, and Jen and I were talking about this earlier. The fact that you make clothes, we're like, oh my gosh, where where can we buy them? Like how can you do like how how can you teach us how to do it? You know, you could do so much with that skill. I feel like people would either want to learn from you, people would want to buy from you. Absolutely. Especially especially because you aren't someone you already have a following. So, you know, you could easily propel that if you wanted to take that direction and you're choosing not to be just solely because it's therapeutic for you you enjoy it you enjoy this craft which i really
0: really do admire and that's that's really awesome to me one thing i oh, i yeah. want to just add one comment to what you said cuz you you said a few things there that really struck me that like as women especially modern women that that you can have your full time job you can do your side gigs and things like that and we have this kind of culture of there are so many people that just want to do so many things and that's yeah. first of all so fantastic but but I, yes it's it so is. great like i mean this podcast <laughs> is one of my things that i think are, are so much fun to do on the side and a great way to kind of channel this interest that i have but one thing you said is that like what what's the what's the what's the break between having all those interests and the things that are feeding your anxiety. Because I, for example, I have, I kind of have two jobs. I do freelance work. I do full time work and I do fun things on the side. And sometimes my freelance work <laughs> is feeding my anxiety to like, you know, to, to keep myself busy and to fall th- and to like, make sure that I'm not consumed with my own thoughts and things like that. I feel like you probably experience yeah, something like that. I
2: do. <laughs> yes. Yes. This feels like a really productive way to channel that energy I have. I am somebody who is all, who's always moving. I have to make myself sit down and Same. Like, watch a movie. Same. Like, and it is, so. my partner is so different and they're always like, just relax. And I'm like, I am relaxed. <laughs> I'm so relaxed right now because, you know, if, if, if something is, is exciting me, I, it, it feels like one part of my brain is being fed and another part is rolling and thinking, what's next? How do I do this? And so I have figured out a way to cultivate my home space that enables me to to be active which is something that feels good to me but isn't necessarily uh promoting like you have to work you have to keep doing this and knitting is such a good example because I actually can sit down on the couch and watch TV while I'm knitting. So it's like I'm doing two things at once. I'm I'm giving my body a break and letting it have a rest. And I'm also still engaged with something that's really interesting. And at the end of it, I have a beautiful sweater to wear. Like it, it, it's just win, win, win all over <laughs> the place, really and truly. But you're, you're absolutely right. There is a fine line. Like I know a lot of people with anxious energy that is similar to mine and it ends up coming out. I think it's easy to make it seem like that's the work ethic. Like, oh no, like I just, I work all the time and I love being busy and I love like checking off my to-do list. And there are some people who were like that. And I think that there's a crossover of people who haven't quite figured out how to funnel that energy into something that is rejuvenating and feels sustainable. You know, like I can knit for hours. That is a sustainable thing for me to put my energy into. I don't know, to try and write a screenplay and be like, like, I am not going to stop until I get this finished. Like that sort of thing, it's just not sustainable to me now as a woman in her forties. Although when I was in my twenties, I was doing some wild stuff because <laughs> I had the energy, you know, and I had the the drive, and I was trying to get myself established, and so. I also want to note to all of your listeners that whatever I say is, you know, based on my experience in my life, but there's no one way to do any of this. And, you know, there are periods of time in your life when you do want to be go, 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 go. Like I moved from Alabama and I went to school in North Carolina and then I I moved to New York City and I'm not going to sit around in New York City. I was starving for experiences and meeting people and being challenged. And so I would say yes to everything. I'm going to say yes to everything now. I need my sleep. I need my three meals a day and my snacks. Like I know how to take care of my body and my, this sounds so like crystal woo, but I know how to take care of my spirit, very Oprah Winfrey way in a way that I just didn't when I was 20 because I was figuring it out when I was in my 20s and even in my 30s for the most part. You're allowed to like grow and change. You don't have to be consistent with you know your work ethic or the kind of person that you I think it's really great if you have the privilege to be alive and keep living another day to give yourself space to like, figure out what your sweet spots are and and your likes and your dislikes you're allowed to have have preferences and you are allowed to say no to things even though it doesn't feel like you are in your 20s but
1: you absolutely are allowed to say no to things that don't fulfill you or make you excited to be doing whatever it is you're doing this resonates with me so much especially i think that even during the pandemic just this past year everyone has felt like they needed to be productive being at home and doing oh xyz yes. and doing all of these different things where you know like you said it's self care is also a part of that and taking the time. I keep seeing this meme that's like, don't glorify the hustle, which is I think there's a time and place for it, but it doesn't always have to be that way. I do want to touch though on sort of pivoting to what you were talking about earlier and you know, the roles that you were choosing in your acting career. You have and are portraying strong characters. I want to know how do you choose these roles and is there a way that you navigate tokenism versus representation? It took me... Again,
2: it's just growth. It took me a while to feel comfortable with saying no to things. And I feel so fortunate because I have a really good support system in my life. I have my partner, obviously. I have my mom who's like pretty much supportive about every single thing that I do, which is great. Like sometimes you need a yes person in your life that's going, you're doing the right thing. Whatever you decide, (laughs) it's great. And I also I've been with my manager for almost 20 years at this point for a really really long time and i was really lucky to be able to learn through my own process what feels good to me and what doesn't and again this goes back to being a little kid struggling to see myself in in television and not even like you know when we talk about representation and seeing ourselves i don't mean like my exact likeness in tv i think i mean all the different ways that I could possibly grow up to be being queer. If you don't see that depicted in television or film or in books or whatever in a positive light, then you don't even imagine that it can be a possibility for you. And so those are the ways in which I I wanted to feel represented in this career that I'm so lucky to have. I can't do that. I can't be like feeding the little girl me if I'm taking roles that are like lesbian number two. And that is a real role that I saw in a script. And I think it was a Ben Stiller movie. And it was so disappointing because We don't have that many excuses anymore to say, oh, we didn't know. We didn't know that's offensive or we didn't know that's not right. Like that's a part of the joke was that it's four lesbians and they all have a number. And so part Mm -hmm. of me was like, I can't believe my agent actually sent this to me. He did send it to me with a note like. I know how you're going to feel about this, but I feel obligated to send it to you. So like, no, I'm not going to take lesbian number one role. That does not feel like an accurate uh, representative of this vast community that I am a part of. I'm also like, I just recently decided that I don't want to do, I don't want to do cop shows. I don't want to do any media television film that's kind of glorifying a police force that is not meeting up to the reality of what particularly, Black and Indigenous and other people of color experience on a daily basis. I'm doing that not because I want to, I don't know, ride the boat or get people to pay attention to me or anything like that. I'm doing that because I want to be able to go to sleep at night and feel good about what it is that I put out in the world. And I can't really do that. I can't feel like I'm showing up for my Black community if I'm going, you know, not all cops sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. like, we have got to get past that conversation. It's not even about individual people anymore. It's about an institution that has been around for a long time that has done a very, very good job at oppressing a very large community of people. And we just don't want to stand for it anymore. And so I I get that a lot of people think that that is like so divisive, but to me, it's like, no, it's not. I'm a Black person and I have Black family members and I have and love Black people in my life and I all want them to be protected and I want them to feel represented in TV. And if we are watching, here's the thing that like media loves to do, which I've seen lately, and I wrote about this recently in this article, is that we're seeing them cast police as people of color. So they feel like that. That's an excuse to to be like, oh, you know, uh, the police force isn't this uh, white supremacist institution because Mm -hmm. there's black and brown cops. And that's just it's just a way to get out of having the conversation. Those are the kinds of decisions that that I am making for myself. And I was just talking about this earlier, how, you know, I get a lot of people that say you're so brave for like saying this. And I I know that they're coming from a good place. But the thing is that. I don't want to be scared. I don't want to live my life afraid of speaking my own truth and talking honestly about things that mean a lot to me and mean a lot to my community. I don't want that to be considered brave. I also <laughs> want that to be an old narrative. It should not be brave to say Black Lives Matter and Black Lives do not deserve to be you know, oppressed by this, this very large institution. Um, that that shouldn't be brave. I want you to big up me and I want you to big up other people who are using their voices for good, but it should it shouldn't be brave and it wouldn't be brave if more people were less afraid of doing it, if that makes any sense. It's kind of like, you know, the snake eating the end of its tail tail. It's just this this vicious cycle. So yeah, that is why I don't feel like I've ever been super thoughtful about it. Like, well, these are the kind of roles that I want to do, and these are the kind that I don't. It really is a is a is a case by case thing. Do I feel good? Do I want to see this on TV? If I don't want to see it, then I don't want to play it. <laughs>
1: right, right. And I feel like, you know, how you were saying when you were younger, you didn't see yourself in television. It's just as impactful as to see yourself represented incorrectly as well. Absolutely.
2: You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. It does it does damage. You internalize it. There is a reason that when we see – Of a certain generation, because again, I think that younger people have been allowed to see a lot of different stuff on television and in the media, which is great. But there is a reason my first instinct when I see a very flamboyant gay character on TV is to cringe, because that is the only context it was ever given to me when I was a kid. This is bad. This makes people uncomfortable. And it doesn't make me bad that I do that because that's that's how I grew up. That was instilled in me. Uh, What I have to do is recognize my reaction to it and figure out why it happened. Oh, why Why do I have those like weird unnamed feelings about this? Oh, because a homophobic society like taught it to me when I was a little kid. And so now I can actively work to like unpack that stuff. But you're right. Like all the negative stereotypes that we see, like black and brown people, the only people getting arrested and doing drugs, trans people always being like prostitutes on television and breaking the law or whatever. All of that stuff is just just fodder to make people feel more comfortable that are not members of those communities. And I just, I don't want to participate in that anymore. And that is a privilege that I get to have, honestly. I, I do understand that there are actors who have bills to pay and have families to take care of and so sometimes they have to take work that they don't necessarily feel super proud of but they know that's going to to put food on the table or whatever. I don't I don't judge anybody for for taking those roles and and doing those things. I I do recognize that there are circumstances that allow me to say no to certain roles. It is a privilege that I want to take advantage of.
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like I could talk about this with you for hours.
2: I feel <laughs> like I talked so long. I'm so sorry. No,
1: no. I mean, I was I was just sitting here and listening and taking it all in and I think everything you said is stuff that I am going to think about. I'm going to sit with and it's all very true. Unfortunately, we we don't have all the time in the world. I wish we did because I could truly <laughs> listen to you forever. But I did want to lastly ask you and this is something that we ask all of our guests. We would love to know what is a person, place, or thing that is influencing you lately? I can go first and then Jen can go and oh, we can yes. leave you to last in case you can't Thank think you so of much, anything. you're wonderful. <laughs> so this part is a little bit more fun but a little more lighthearted, but I am personally influenced by the recent Friends reunion trailer that came out. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I think, guys, I think this is a pivotal moment in our lives And in television history, to be honest, I grew up watching Friends, and to see them all together – I don't watch Friends on a regular basis anymore. I definitely memorize every episode, and it's something I'm very familiar with. But to see them together brought me a type of joy and nostalgia that I did – I I didn't know I needed, and it was very emotional for me. So that is something I'm very much looking forward to. Jen,
0: what is influencing you? Okay, so I actually I had one prior to this interview, and now I have two. <laughs> and it's because it's because you said something, Jessica, that really reminded me of something that I love. So bear with me for a second. The first one is I yeah. love a any book that is a collection of essays. Love that. Love the perspectives. Love just like a, love a book that like you can just read a chapter, put it down, and then like continue it the next day or whatever. So I got a new one that's Casey Wilson's book, which is called *The Wreckage of My Presence*, and it's Ooh. kind of her own kind of personal memoir of essays. And I just started reading it the other day, and I'm already just so in love with what this book is going to tell me, even just because it just has so many personal but insightful things about it. So that's my first one, and then my second okay. one <laughs> is a very very favorite author of mine Glennon Doyle you guys are probably familiar with her who wrote Untamed I read her book last year and I felt completely changed by some of the things that she said but she just released or she just started doing a podcast called I have to make sure I have the name right it's called We Can Do Hard Things and I absolutely love that you said something just made me think of of this podcast I'm not exactly sure what word you said but it's more in the sense that like we can do hard things in the sense that our anxiety sometimes overpowers us and again I I could talk forever about some of the things you said about your anxiety that's like the exact same thing as me but um because i felt very very hurt in what you said but that's my second one it's it's glennon's podcast i i have only listened to like half of, a, of the first episode but i'm so in love and that's definitely something that's going to influence me for the next uh, few few months i'm sure she creates episodes Oh, how cool.
2: Okay, first of all, I want to thank you both. Joss, I didn't know about this Friends reunion trailer, so thank you so much for sharing. I got to go find it now. Oh my gosh, wait. Was, are you I'm a, so
1: in the dark. Are you a Friends fan?
2: Oh, I, wa- I watched every single... I don't even know if I was a fan because it was like so automatic that, yes, I'm watching Friends. Like, what? Do you, of course I'm watching Friends.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, no. You... Okay, I'm telling you, watch this trailer... And okay. let me know what you think because okay, I, think I, will. I think you'll go through something
0: physically, spiritually,
1: I, emotionally. It's I can, I can vouch for
0: that for <laughs> sure so because I. We were talking about this before you joined the the recording. That this is not like a re- reunion like other shows are are doing. This is like an actual, just like, yeah. like almost like a tribute, in the best way. Okay, I'll leave it at that. I have artistically been
2: inspired lately because I asked if I have some walls in this area that I wanted to cover in stickers. And so I was like, if anybody's got some stickers laying around and they want to send it to me, like, here's my <laughs> P.O. box. And again, everybody came through, they sent me crazy ton of stickers. And there was this one little package of stickers and they're all, they're like this big, they're tiny. And it's all like an illustration of a themed hotel. So it's like oh. the cat hotel the spooky hotel, like it's so, it's just really, really saccharine sweet, but they're so adorable. And so I st- I made my first house, like I built out of pottery. I wanted to recreate one of the little houses that I saw on, on these stickers. And I'm so into like building these houses. So what it is, it's like a house, but you put a candle in it on the inside of it. So the light will come out of like the windows and the door and stuff like that. So it's just a, a decorative item. But because I really love pottery that I got into over this pandemic. And now I have like a whole slew of these cute little hotels to try and replicate out of clay that is my artistic inspiration that's a real random story thank you for <laughs> staying
0: with me. I'm so intrigued what these look like can you can you send us a picture later so we can really visualize because I have a lot of questions I absolutely will
1: oh my god I, and you, I, I think you shared I think you shared the house on your Instagram I, I like, did on Instagram okay. yeah
0: my fault just, I need to just do a
1: no look, look. Jessica is just casually building houses out of clay in addition to being an actress and making her own clothes. It's fine.
2: Y'all, I got a lot of time on my hands. That's all I can say. I got a lot of time. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, uh, on that note, thank you so, so much for your time, Jessica. It was so nice chatting with you and I feel like I can say this a million times over, I could just listen to you for hours. So you should probably make your own podcast because I would definitely, so, I mean, hey, I got she said- I one listener.
0: She said she has a lot of time. So, you know. You have two you're listeners right, just know, right. let's be real, okay? Would, okay, I'm would sorry, recommend you're right. For sure.
1: Thank you for listening to
0: Influence, a Margot Community Podcast. A special shout out to our team behind Influence. So Joss, our host, Yolanda, our assistant producer, Keisha, our designer, and myself, the executive producer. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform.